Welcome to the Serve Conscious Podcast, where we turn every encounter into an opportunity for growth and transformation. Here you can develop skills that not enough people are teaching, grow yourself professionally, or just live a more mindful, fulfilled, and service-oriented life. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking about how this works. Before, I'm just going to talk about my awesome partner, the Institute for Organizational Mindfulness. They are a not-for-profit that is committed to raising awareness of the power of mindfulness applied to the organizational setting and also working with individuals and businesses to uh, more effectively develop their mission. So together, we're working to create change and up-level the culture of work life here in uh, the United States and worldwide. So uh, check them out and check out our partner page in the show notes. Hello, everyone. So we're going to continue today talking about socially conscious service, especially racially conscious service, which is a topic that's going to continue to be weaving itself through a lot of future episodes, as is the crucial and timely nature of this topic. And I obviously can't speak about the needs of racial justice in a very authoritative way. Obviously, I'm as white and privileged as it gets, and uh, I'm speaking with total awareness of that throughout any investigations of this uh, topic, but I certainly can share the reflections I've been making on what my own role has been as a teacher and a person of service in society and what it can be if I am more attentive and sensitive to the racial and other social discrimination, but let's say primarily right now racial issues of America. This United States no longer being a country, I can say I'm not responsible for the problems of, because I'm not from here, I'm from Canada, as some of you may know. Um, That can allow me to exempt myself from the turmoil of the country I now live in, and has allowed me to exempt myself from that turmoil in a lot of countries that I've lived in. I've lived all around the world as this sort of quasi-work tourist. And that really never served me sustainably, that sense of not having to get involved. Being involved in a community and being willing to co-create change with any issue, no matter how relevant you think it is to your own life, is a very powerful place to be in and a very fulfilling place to be in. And race is a special one because getting involved in whatever change or shifts you can involve yourself in, whether internally within yourself or externally, will involve facing a lot of things you've been avoiding. Whether you're American or not, your own tendencies to... Firstly, evaluate someone and accept or dismiss them based on, you know, certain racial criteria, be it subtle or not so subtle, and blissfully, ignorantly enjoying the privileges of being 
part of the Caucasian elite of the country or any country without really honoring and having gratitude for those privileges. And I think I've spent a lot of my life not wanting to have as much gratitude for these privileges I have because such gratitude brings about a guilt I'm not willing to hold or process. Now is the time to make space for any such uncomfortable feelings. Any uncomfortable feelings at all. That is really how you transform as a person. And acknowledge them. Stop looking away from what you don't want to fully look at. And once you do, you will feel a lot better. You will feel a lot more connected to yourself and all of humanity. And... Life will improve for you and all around you once you firstly honor your privilege and become sensitive to the differing privileges of everyone you're in contact with in your life, and especially everyone you're serving in a service context. So this podcast episode is going to be exploring really what the responsibilities of someone serving are as it concerns social justice. What are your social responsibilities? What aspects of creating a more racially just world can you participate in through how you serve in ways that really don't cost you anything? Because I think serving more justly doesn't involve taking on burdens. It actually involves releasing burdens, freeing yourself of them. And you'll see what I mean in this episode. But in case I don't get to it, I'll summarize because I do that. I'll say, you'll see. I'll mention that later in the episode, but then I end up talking about something else entirely. And this topic is so rich. There's so much to disentangle that that risk definitely is there. So I will summarize that you are unburdening yourself by letting go of resistances that you're having, of acknowledging simple truths about society and yourself and your role in it, and letting go of the burden of self-righteousness, the burden of needing to be right, the burden of people needing to look at you and respect you in a certain way as some kind of virtuous being that is free of all possible racist thought. That is a tremendous burden to carry, and you will see why, hopefully, (laughs) if I don't lose track. So if you are truly being mindful... If you are practicing mindfulness, and if you're bringing it into service, truly, actually allowing its full potential into your life, that means you are doing more than just simply, you know, being aware of things and being present and being more calm. You are willing, in a very courageous, sort of fearless way, to look at things that make you uncomfortable things in yourself that you've been avoiding when you are called to look at them. It doesn't mean always just like reaching for like the worst, most ugly, negative things, but it means when those opportunities arise, you don't turn away. And a certain hubris of mine, I'm sure, and so many people in my situation, has been a certain avoidance of looking at one's own, you know, subtly, racist tendencies in thinking, and it's that avoidance to even entertain the possibility 
and even observe oneself and reflect on whether or not those tendencies are even there, that avoidance, because we're clinging to some kind of identity of virtuousness, which is really more of an insecurity, that belief in our absolutely being above reproach comes from a deep, deep paranoia of being deficient somehow. But once we recognize that, you know, we're not deficient and we're absolutely whole and we're strong enough to approach things with the understanding that we probably don't have the racial sensitivity part right. And we probably need to refine some aspects of ourselves and we're willing to do so without getting indignant or defensive in the process. Because every time we do and every time we willingly reflect and see what we can heal and refine in ourselves and expand our ability to be sensitive, then we are growing and becoming stronger and a more capable person of service that people will feel safer around in a way, more secure, you know, white or black, just generally attention in you will be resolved and an openness in your, in your heart will become more and more prominent and you'll have more of an ease navigating service and any of the uncomfortable things that arise in the process of it, racial and otherwise. So what does it mean to be racially sensitive? And I think a big part of mindfulness is sensitivity. And I think we need to shift our understanding of sensitivity in order to be able to embrace this as a powerful tool. Because I think there's this macho conditioning around sensitivity as something that is fragile. It suggests maybe like a reactivity, like we're prone to getting emotionally flustered if we're sensitive or maybe we're just like overly gushy and and sentimental and either way it's looked at as something that isn't a indication of strength in someone at least from you know the macho perspective or it's just generally a feminine quality and and men don't have it and if they do they're not really men etc etc we've heard that old story before but Us peeps here in the mindful world, as well as a lot of kind of Eastern modalities, uh, generally like to reclaim the term sensitive from being used as a, hey, why are you being so sensitive? As in, why are you being so emotionally unstable and reactive? Why are you making this mean more than it needs to? That's another sensitive thing, right? (laughs) Blowing up something small into something big. It's a common defense if someone says that something you said was subtly racist, perhaps, right? Or, you know, racially insensitive. Okay, I'm being insensitive. Why don't you be more sensitive? And it's just this sort of tug of war of who's going to be more abiding. But you need to break this paradigm entirely if you're going to serve with any social consciousness whatsoever. Sensitivity can't be looked at as like an emotional currency whatsoever. It's hardly a motive. Emotions might arise within a sensitive person, but it's not really a matter of how much you're going to be hurling those emotions on other people. It's really a sensory capability. That's sensitivity. Your ability to see. 
but not just see. You know, touch, taste, smell, hear, feel, intuit. It's sense right in the word, using your sensory capability and really your total perceptual capability to pay attention to what's going on and be considerate of the appropriate response. Mindful life is increasing your sensory currency because you are doing more observation of what's actually happening in your environment, all of the sensory information coming your way, all of those little trickles, your intuitions quietly whispering to you, rather than the loud thoughts pummeling your reality with whatever story your mind is trying to tell. And it's usually the same old story, the same repeating thoughts that don't have any new or relevant information really to offer us whatsoever about this unique and singular moment that our senses are attempting to deliver us rich information of. So sensitivity is availability to your raw perceptual ability. That's what you're drawing from when you're being mindful. And, and when you're meditating regularly, like you start and end the day with meditation, or start and like midpoint the day with meditation, and you are always willing to be mindful, as in bring your attention into what's happening in your body, in your senses, in the environment around you, in the subtle signals that people are chucking around all day, ready for you to respond. Your capacity for all of this information is always broadening when you're practicing like this regularly. And also your tendency to impulsively react to all of the information you're taking in becomes a lot more manageable. And that's the key here because, you know, some people are naturally more available to information, like more emotional information comes in. They're more empathic maybe or they're just generally highly sensitive to their environment. And so a lot comes in. And without the right tools, without the right level of mental and physical fitness, they are likely to be more reactive to the same situation being experienced by a less sensitive person. But mindful life allows for both. You can take in more information and not be reactive to it, which is the thing that generally people criticize about sensitivity, the reactiveness, you know, when it becomes somewhat confrontational, the sensitivity. It's not the fact that you're experiencing more. No one could really even call that out and say, hey, you're, you're having a deep, rich experience right now. I don't like it. No, people don't like how we're relating to the information we're coming in. If we're relating in a way that's reactive and hostile, yeah, people are going to call that sensitive in one of those you know pejorative ways. So that's the sensitivity I'm talking about cultivating if you want to be more of a socially conscious person of service. It's an internal experience. It's not always calling stuff out. It's not always reacting to stuff. It's not being ooey-gooey gushy. It's being more available to information. Same stuff you've always been doing if you really want to be a mindful person of service. So that's maybe half the battle, right? Maybe even less than half the battle because you're just taking in information. What are you doing with that information? Well, that depends what the information is, but uh, let's say you need to have the appropriate response to that information. And the appropriate response is one 
that propagates the most care and love in the situation. That is the responsibility of somebody that wishes to be of service in any moment. Now again, let's reclaim the word love. It's not ooey-gooey. It's not hugs and kisses. It's not the thing that we normally in this culture associate only with intimate relationships or family. Love is something that you're cultivating in any service environment already if you are giving caring service because love is an acceptance and appreciation of someone in a very platonic way. And it could totally be a stranger. The more you're allowing space for that, creating this connection between the two of you where there is mutual care and understanding, and it doesn't have to be like in a way that's like overly theatrical. It's just, it could be a very quiet um, acknowledgement of the fact that the other person matters and that you accept them as they are. And this container that the mindful service person creates, this container of loving acceptance of the people they're serving, that's a powerful place. It's something that people don't really get in maybe any avenue of their life. Someone that wholly accepts them for who they are and appreciates them. And Deshaun Zarich uh, was the first to really articulate that on this podcast, talking about this sort of radical way to accept anybody, as long as they're not being dangerous or abusive. There's no reason why they're a threat to you. They might be offensive to you. They might trigger you in some way. But all they're really dangerous to is your idea of yourself, is your egoic sense of what you're entitled to in terms of treatment. It's your self-image. And let's put this in a context of somebody um, calling you out on something subtly racist you said. That might make you not want to be loving. Because, you know, it's easy to be loving if someone's just like us. We think they're totally awesome. They like all the same music. And they have our same sense of humor. And, you know, they're like all good in our books, right? But, like, there is going to be situations where there's a chasm to jump. Because you could be a white privileged server, and you are serving someone who is black or not, but either way, you could say something that is subtly, unintentionally as well, and subtly even, where you don't notice, and it could trigger them in some way. You have an opportunity to go in two directions here. The first direction is defending this sense of yourself that you've been clinging to. No, I would never do that. I am above all of this. How could you say this to me? I deserve better treatment. You might not word it like that, but, you know, your ego is going to make those claims on the situation, and your behavior will be sort of postured in that direction of you deserving a different kind of treatment than you're getting. Or you can go in the direction of love, where you care about this person's happiness and well-being, and you're willing to be curious as to why they felt the way they did, so that you could possibly adjust or be more mindful or attentive to the way you speak so that you don't continue to hurt them because you care about this person. So that burden I was talking about letting go of earlier in the episode, that burden of identity that we are and need to remain faultless 
and errorless throughout this exploration of racial justice and that we are not one of the bad guys and we'll try and prove that at all costs before taking opportunities to reflect on ourselves and our thinking and shifting it into one that's more sensitive and more caring and more connected to the needs and struggles of others. And when you do that, it's just like, ah, like this burden's gone. This thing I've been trying to defend so hard. And once you do that, what happens is not all kinds of like shame and like self-flagellation and all of the things you're worried. Like, oh, okay, well, if I go ahead and I take responsibility for the fact that I said something this person found a little bit offensive, then I'm somehow just sort of giving in to shame and guilt and just lowering myself to this like crappy person that I'm not really because I'm so much better than this person they're asking me to be. But in fact, once you just curiously and caringly explore why you triggered them, then this tension kind of unwinds and unknots in your chest. And you kind of feel more open and free and light because you realize that you are still a good person, still a decent person, still a well-intentioned person, all the things you were originally except you're also willing to look at how that absolutely good person um, is capable of not knowing exactly everything they need to know about their social position, the power and privilege assumptions that are woven into how you communicate, and a bunch of other stuff that can get really complicated, but you don't have to worry about figuring all that out. You just have to be available to the pain of the other person and willing to look at how to heal that. And it will turn into mutual healing because you'll be healing something in yourself that is resisting exploring uncomfortable truths and realities of being a white privileged person in America and also the world over. Every time you do this, you'll be shocked at how little it costs you. And in fact, the opposite will turn out to be true. This will be a gift you kind of give yourself to enrich your self-understanding and your ability to show up lovingly in the face of these uncomfortable realities. And I just wrote an article actually for IOM about this mode you can jump into every time you find yourself reacting or getting resistant to perhaps engaging in a difficult conversation. Just say to yourself, what will this cost me, really? What's really being taken? And I've encouraged this to be done in any service scenario. Like someone needs anything from you that would normally be an inconvenience or feel like an inconvenience, like we're getting our time and our effort and our energy taken away. As soon as you ask that question, what's this really costing me? It really just turns out to be this story you're telling yourself that you're getting compromised in some way. And it often turns out not to be costing you anything at all. So it's amazing. We're actually 
almost near the end of our window of time, and I've hardly just begun to talk about um, this sort of checklist of things that I'm working on, because it's, it's big, and it should feel big for a lot of us. And it's good that it does, and it's good to be confused, and it's good to wonder if we're uh, just an ignorant, privileged white person. It's totally fine to do that. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It means that you're more aware than a lot of people are willing to be. And I understand if you're feeling like tentative about this journey, that it feels like it might overtake everything and you're going to be sort of endlessly bound up in paranoia about all the little words that come out of your mouth and all the endless socio-political ramifications of things you're saying. And you're just constantly walking on this minefield of potentially triggering people. And, and don't worry, it's not your fault if you trigger someone, but it is your fault if you don't meet them with love. That's what you can do. That's what you can control, is how you show up once that occurs. That's really what it's about. It's not about figuring out the exact formula of socially and racially sensitive things to say. Obviously, you're going to be naturally refining how you communicate, but you can't cover all your bases. And it's much better and much more effective and powerful and transformative to be ready to look at how you can bring more love and healing to a situation than it is to have your defense ready every time an accusation is made. Because I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but even in any other situation other than race, no one really ever gets convinced of anything, of any argument you make. It doesn't ever really work. It just makes someone dig their heels in and work their position even harder. What does penetrate all of that is curiosity about where they're coming from, showing understanding and care about what they're feeling, and an interest in improving things somehow. So... Let's start there with love before we get deeper into a lot of best practices and strategies I've been working on cultivating in order to really grow into this new racially just reality we're hoping to all start living, at least on an individual level, before the collective catches up. All right, thank you so much, guys. Uh, please check out the website, www.serveconscious.com, for more free content. Also, get on the mailing list so I can send you all kinds of really special stuff that hopefully teaches you how to transform your life of service into one of growth and inspiration. All right, thank you so much. You have a good one. Bye. Bye.